0: Shalom, Alleluia. welcome to another episode Alleluia. of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians, and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel, to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned till the end where we're always offering an exciting opportunity for you. And please feel free to share this with others who you know will also find it of interest. So I have to come clean today. Um, I started off with a lie. I am not coming to you from the Judean mountains, but that is my typical lead in. Um, I am sitting in the beautiful central Israel city of Modi'in. There's biblical components here, it's modern, it's well planned and developed. And by full disclosure, I raced out of Tel Aviv today on the way home, trying to make a, a place that I could find proper Wi-Fi and audio quality to do this recording, because it was really so important. And and we'll talk about why it took some time to to schedule this. Um, so yeah, so I'm in Modi'in, and I'm at the home of not only good friends, Debbie and Brian Glick. Um, I'll start with the, probably the least significant. Brian is on the advisory board of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, for um, which I'm really grateful. But Debbie, and it's relevant to our conversation, Debbie is my, my wife knows, second cousin, second cousin wants to move, third cousin, something like that. Her grandmother and my father were, were cousins, something. It doesn't really matter. We go back to the same village in Poland where our families lived in diaspora for a number of years. And fortunately, her family, and my family as we were related um were able to get out of Poland before the before the holocaust and and before many of our relatives were murdered and and that actually is an appropriate lead in to where we're going to go in this conversation but i just want to say one more thing before i introduce our guest and and, and what we're going to talk about it's ironic that i'm sitting outdoors you may hear some dogs barking up above me on a balcony, there's some kids. You may hear kids' wind, what have you. It's ironic because of whom I'm speaking to that I think in two years of of uh, hosting the Inspiration from Zion for podcast uh, podcast that this is probably the one with the least audio quality, and that's significant. So let me tell you why. In May, I had the privilege of attending really one of the most exciting and inspiring of, events that I think I've ever attended in Jerusalem. My good friend Joel James of Inspiration Tours was in Israel working with a few groups that they were hosting. One, a multiple bus tour with the Isaacs was about to have its concluding dinner, and Joel thought, I might like to attend. Now, okay, there was a free dinner involved, but there was much more, much, much more than just the dinner. The Isaacs are an incredible award-winning musical group and family who have spent five decades creating a distinct sound that has made them and their music so special. There was more, but not only would I get to hear the Isaacs sing and not my first time, I would get to see their hearts. Busy travel schedules since may have delayed our having this conversation, but it was really a priority for me to finally get this together. And I'm really blessed that we're doing that and so eager to share some of what I saw and what that night meant in a a deep vision. The Isaacs are Grand Ole Opry inductees and Gospel Music Hall of Famers with a family legacy going back to 1971 with an incredible excitement and never waning passion for the music they love to make. And they should love to music make it because it's really stunning. They have performed on numerous award shows, including the Grammys, GMA, uh, Dove Awards, and they've also earned 19 of those awards collectively in various categories. And perform there, but also in the very special ballroom of the Dan Jerusalem Hotel where I got to hear them in May. They often tour internationally, and it was their tour with hundreds of fans in Israel this year that got me connected and truly inspired. The Isaacs have also started a nonprofit organization, appropriate called appropriately called the Isaacs Foundation, to bless the less fortunate in America and in Israel and recently raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to bless Israel, specifically Holocaust survivors, orphans, and lone soldiers. And we're going to talk about that specifically today and the deep and personal impact that they're making in Israel and how that's touching them as well. Lily Isaacs, who's our guest today, is the vocalist and matriarch of the group. She's incredible. She was born in Germany after World War II to two Polish-Jewish Holocaust survivors, connecting our family history a little bit. And she moved to the U.S. when she was just two years old. Lily and her parents became American citizens when she was nine. And she grew up in the Bronx, uh, not a suburb, a district, not a district. What's it called, Lily? A A borough. Borough, thank you. I've been out of New York too long. (laughs) A borough of New York City studying theater and where she began her nearly six decades of performing in many prestigious venues. After a death occurred in her former husband's family, she became inspired to sing Christian music, which laid the foundation upon which the Isaacs ministry had has been built. Lily is also, and I didn't know this, a 30 year breast cancer survivor, thank God, who was the inspiration for the country hit by Martina McBride, I'm gonna love you through it. Lily's testimony has been an inspiration to people all around the world so much so that she's written two autobiographies which i have not yet read but i look forward to you don't cry out loud and a wedding dress with combat boots being a jewish believer caused struggles and pain in the relationship with her parents and we're going to talk about that but in spite of it all her love for jesus has brought her through every chapter of her life and her passion is to sing and share about god's love so lily i am delighted to host you as a guest on Inspiration from Zion, maybe not to sing today, but to <laughs> certainly share about your testimony, your, your family background, and how you're so, you and not just you, your family, now three generations, right, are so deeply connected to the land and people of Israel. Welcome to Inspiration from Zion.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate you having me. It's an honor.
0: Yeah, it's an honor for me, and I'm really grateful. Um, talk about your family. Uh, I, I like to kind of start at the beginning. Um, your parents, how, where, where, what did they survive? Help help people who aren't familiar with that understand a little bit.
1: Well, both of my parents were born and raised in a little community of town in Poland called Częstochowa, and it was a farming country, I guess, and both of them didn't know each other in their youth. But when World War II broke out and the Nazis invaded Poland in 1939, uh, that's when havoc, you know, around all around Europe, you know, especially in Poland. So uh, my father had told me years ago that when the Nazis came into Czechoslovak, he was at home with his family at five siblings and his parents and of course, my mother was somewhere there in the town, too, with her family, uh, and uh, they got on these megaphones. The Nazi soldiers did and ordered everybody out of their homes and made everybody come out on the streets. Of course, the people didn't know why. They didn't know what was going on. I mean, you know, we didn't have internet then or, you know, <laughs> many ways to know what the world was going around, you know, but right. they were just ordered to get out of their homes. So concerned, they just walked out. And that's when it all began. They started separating families from, you know, fathers from mothers and brothers and sisters. And my father said that he had to lie down on the street for hours, you know, with his head to the ground, his arms behind his back. uh, And back then it it
0: probably wasn't a paved street. No, I'm sure.
1: Right. And they just separated people. And unfortunately, that's the last time he saw his family, except for one surviving brother, uh, That was it. And he was taken to uh, Buchenwald concentration camp. Of course, they went to the ghetto first. They were in the Warsaw Ghetto. Chenshaw Ghetto, Warsaw Ghetto. And then he wound up in Buchenwald. My mother has a similar story that, you know, when they were ordered to... Actually, her story is a little bit different uh, because it's really a miracle. My grandmother had sent my mother and her sister to the store. So uh, it was in a different town and they had to walk. So when the Nazis came into Testerhofer, my mother well, wasn't even there, she and her sister. But when she got back home, that's when the Nazis gathered up everybody who was left. So my mother and sister were taken to uh, Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. And uh, that was the last time she saw her mother and her brother and sister. And, you know, it was just one of those kinds of stories. uh, They spent two years in camps, uh, wound up in Dachau toward the end of the war and still hadn't met uh both of them wound up in Dachau the last few weeks of world war 2 and i got a lot of history from Yad Vashem when i was there they shared oh. some records with me that they had in 2018 and i learned a lot about my parents families when i got the, that information but uh after the war was over there were millions of displaced people you know people lost their families their homes and Course, being liberated in Germany, they had no place to go. So, thank God there were great organizations like the, the Red Cross from America, United yeah. Jewish People, bene Brith came in and they opened up these uh, displacement camps, they called them, uh, displaced persons camps, actually.
0: Right. DP, and- they call it.
1: DP, right. So, my parents, being in Feldafing, which was near Munich, that's where they were in the camp, the displacement camp, and that's where they met. Okay. So I think they had a common bond because we we're from the same hometown and sure. on and on. So they got married uh, there. In the camp? In the in the displaced persons camp, they got married. And that's where I was born. Wow. In the displaced persons camp, yeah. So we stayed there for two years after I was born.
0: So what? Uh, let me interject a second. What does your U.S. passport say uh, as, as place of birth? Germany. Germany, just the country.
1: Yeah, but I, that's why I became american citizen with my parents i was nine years old right yeah so you know i'm an american citizen because i became a citizen at nine right legally right but my passport says munich germany okay Okay. uh however you know i have my citizenship papers and all that went well but when we came here i don't remember that i was too young i was a baby but in those days you had to have a sponsor that would help you Uh, in a different country yeah So my father's brother who survived had a, uh, he met also a woman in one of this, this place person camp he wound up in and her family sent her to Australia. So they went to Australia Ah. and my father, my mother had an uncle that was living in New York and he did not go through concentration camp. He came to America before the war. So he sent for my mother and my father and I to come to New York. So we came when I was two years old. And I've heard a lot of stories about what it was like being on that ship for two weeks. And when we came to New York, my uncle, we lived with him for a few months. My uncle was a bread baker. He taught my father how to become a bread baker. And my parents worked very hard uh, to become citizens. In those days, you had to live here for seven years before you became a citizen. And they went to night school to learn English um they worked very hard to do that and at the age of nine I remember going to Ellis Island with my parents I was old enough to remember that mm-hmm. and we stood with a couple of hundred people and took an oath and received a certificate and it was a big honor then we were proud of it that Could we worked be. hard to become citizens yeah so times have changed
0: <laughs> but you
1: know that was the beginning of my young life nice uh,
0: and, and what yeah. about on your mother's side your father said one you, you said one father you, your father had one, one. brother who survived what about on your mother's side
1: well my mother had a sister and a brother that left for russia before the war started wow but she had only one she had two sisters and a brother and her mother at home they were all killed except for one sister she had a sister that was crippled with polio that she was immediately shot her grandmother was her mother was shot she had a brother that was 16 he was also murdered uh my grant you know we she didn't see any of them anymore but the one sister that she'd gone to the store with when she came back home they survived the same camp they both were liberated at the same time uh yeah so and then she connected with her brother and sister that had left for russia after the war of course a lot of work had to be done and a lot of these big organizations helped the displaced people find their families
0: yeah yeah, which was a lot harder yeah. than uh, oh yeah, of, of
1: course you know without the means that we have today it was a lot sure. harder but they did they make it, made it work.
0: So I'm curious so- you mentioned Yad Vashem and did research yeah. and talked about your your mother's family your father's family you're an Ashkenazi Jew like I'm an Ashkenazi Jew um it's customary that we name our children for people who have relatives who are deceased who who were you named for.
1: I was named after my grandmother, who was Laya, which is Leah Sarah. And, of course, when I became an American citizen, they made it Lily. So, (laughs) Lily, yeah, I was named after my grandmother. My brother, I have a brother that was born in America uh, when I was five, and his name was Chaim. He was named after my father's father, my
0: grandfather. Interesting.
1: Thank you. And I tried to carry the tradition on, so when I had three children, I named them after relatives, too.
0: Ah, so Definitely. you know what let me let, I want to know I was curious um, <laughs> yeah. let me take a very, very quick break, and then I want to come yeah. back and hear you about your children. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met much less interacted with the Holocaust survivor or heard their stories of suffering and survival with the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace in less than a generation, there will be none alive yet while they did survive, and for that, we need to celebrate them. Many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs. And living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, and inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis 123 Foundation to bless the survivors. Yes, we pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us by going to Genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. That's Genesis123.co slash hug hug a survivor, and please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured, and there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. Okay, Lily. Yeah, now it's the next generation. I want to come back to your parents and, and you, okay. but let's talk yeah, about your children. And who were they named for?
1: Well, my son Ben, he was named after my father's brother, whose name is Beryl, Benjamin,
0: okay.
1: and Sonia was named after my mother's sister who survived the war with her, but she passed away with cancer in uh, the 70s. So I felt like I should honor her. Yeah. And then uh, my daughter, Rebecca, was named after my father's, my father's sister, also who was Rebecca Rivka.
0: Very meaning. So,
1: yeah. And then my granddaughter, so, uh, Becky's baby daughter, she's 22, okay. she was named after my mother. My mother's maiden name was Yakubovich, oh. so she named her Jacoby.
0: Ah, neat. And I got to spend a little time when we, when you were here with your grandson, Levi, yeah. who's he named for? He's, He's he has exactly. a great voice. Wow. I, also a sweet man. Voice.
1: Yeah, he was named one of my uncles, one of my father's brothers. And so we tried to keep the tradition going. So yeah, he's a great voice. He's very talented.
0: That's great. I Thank you for sharing that. You know, our, our our lives have taken different trajectories and you're a little bit older than I am, but it's neat to have this kind of conversation to give people, regardless of whether they're Jewish or Christian, just sort of a deeper understanding about where we come from and and then why it's so significant. Now, relating to that, I wanted to ask you, your parents were survivors, and you're what's called a second generation survivor. You were born after the war. I'm, and there's a lot of um, psychological studies on all of this. It's not you didn't just get out of the camps, live in a DP camp for some time, and then wait until you were able to get a visa to somewhere that was better, whether it's australia or or South America or america or or anywhere or Israel uh, anywhere else in the world. People brought their traumas with them. How did that play out in in your parents' lives?
1: Well, I mean, I think the worst thing that came out of my, you know, family is my father became an alcoholic.
0: Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: And all of my young life, I remember he became a bread baker. So he worked at night and slept through the day, but he would come home from the bakery every morning drunk. He was so drunk. he, He had to take the subway and he'd walk up the streets of New York, you know, back to the apartment. And I would be so upset with him. I was young, I didn't understand and I would be walking to school with my girlfriends, you know, 10, 11 years old however and he'd see me and he'd yell my name out because he wanted to say hi and I ignored him. I was embarrassed. Oh, I did not wow. want I didn't want my friends to see that, you know, and I mean, it just I didn't understand the the grief he harbored in his heart that he never shared. He was a very quiet man a hard working man he was uh not very social uh he was happy when he got home he would eat something and go to bed and sleep and then he'd wake up and read the newspaper and he wasn't very social uh it was hard for him to talk about anything i would ask him you know dad what happened to your family and he, all he would say to us is they died in the war they died in the war
0: that's
1: it wow and that's it where my mother on the other hand was very vocal about her story she talked about it and she would you know, if you'd ask her a question, she'd go into detail about every story. But she never knew my father's family either because they met after the war. So we never oh. knew what happened to my father's family till 2018. And he passed away in 1978 at the age of 69. Kidney failure. So my childhood was not average. Um, I was angry a lot with my father because he 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 embarrassed me when he was drinking. And it caused issues between my parents because he was very depressed and he made the best out of life. He always came home with a bag of bread and rolls in his arms. Cause he wanted to make sure we wouldn't go hungry. <laughs> I mean, every morning he'd carry a big bag of rolls home as drunk as he was. He managed to get up to the apartment and, and uh, I, I didn't understand. And I, I hate that today because I wish, you know, when you're young, you don't realize. And um, when I got older, I really tried to break through that barrier and, get closer to him but he wouldn't talk he just kept it all inside and eventually he quit drinking but you know would get sick you know but my parents did not have a great relationship uh my mother I found out she had a boyfriend and uh uh I got home from school one day oh I probably 13 years old and Uh, She had all of our suitcases packed in the living room of the apartment with boxes. And I dropped my book bag and I said, what are we doing, mom? What are you doing? And she said, we're leaving your father. We're moving out west to her boyfriend's name. And I said, what? (laughs) And She said, yes, pack your bags. I said, I'm not going. She said, you are going. My brother at the time was just seven. He didn't know what was going on. And I, I dropped my book bag. I ran out of the house, and I said, I'm not going. And I stayed gone for two hours. I ran around the streets, and I finally wound up at my friend Goldie's house, and I cried, and I cried. And I knew if we left my father, he would die. I just knew it. Yeah. And cry right now when I think about it, because I just I wasn't going to leave him. And yeah. Finally wandered back home. She was getting ready to call the police because, you know, we didn't have cell phones then. She didn't know where I went. I cried it out. and I walked back in the apartment. Every bag was put away.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: So she wasn't going to leave without me. And so we stayed. And to her defense, she stayed with him till he died and went on with her life privately.
0: Underscores that, I mean, no one's perfect. That's uh, right, with any of our i suppose pun intended baggage but but mm-hmm. your parents and hundreds of thousands who survived brought with them unique baggage, and in your case uh, who, who knows why not, not not certainly not my business to talk about your mother's other relationship but but mm-hmm. your father unable to talk about it and drinking and and these traumas. Mm-hmm continue and it's unfortunately part of our history but now I wanted to ask you yeah. as a second generation survivor do you have things that you can point to that say yeah this is probably because of how I grew up and traumas that I suffered you eat all the food every crumb off your plate because there wasn't enough food and you're, uh, how, how does that play out in your life
1: um, I think I my family says I micromanage everything. <laughs> and okay. I, uh, I you know, I think having a younger brother at home, I was very protective of him because he was young and he didn't know and I was old enough to understand what was going on and it made me just really be protective of him. And I loved my parents, you know, and I knew the hardship they'd gone through and it killed me. It just killed me. Yeah, And I feel like, have anxiety and i have fought that most of my life just anxiety about things that i can never change Uh you know things i have no control over i have sometimes i'll have anxiety and um i think the the father figure was not there for me uh i know he was my father and did the very best he could i can't blame him but i never knew what that felt like and uh Never having a grandparent. I didn't know. Ah, that
0: yes, I wanted to say that. Right. Like my father, who had no grandparents, you also didn't.
1: I didn't know. I don't know what that felt like. So, Levi was my first grandchild, the one that you met that saying. Yep. And yep. I was young. I was 49 years old when I became a grandma. And I thought, oh, I'm too young to be a grandmother. But anyway, I wanted to be the best grandmother in the world. I do, because and I, and I'm very close to my grandchildren for that reason. I spoil them, and then I send them home and I, I i just i i just i love my family with a heart like I hold on to them, we all live in separate homes, you know we live in the same community, and my my family's my best friend, yeah. and I don't know if that's a fault but not a fault if that's I have friends, but I go to my family for everything, and I, that family tie. It's like so important to me. Sure. And it's amazing that we've survived this many years as a singing group or a band. Because we're not only together at home, but on the road. But I guess that and I don't know. I I, my ex-husband and I are are divorced. We divorced 24 years ago uh, for various reasons. I don't want to talk about that, but it left me shocked. You know, I was very surprised. And uh, when we divorced again, you know, I felt like I'd been abandoned by two main male figures in my life, mm-hmm. which was also, you know, getting down to the psychological aspect of that.
0: Indeed, indeed. Oh,
1: you know, and, and I've tried to overcome, you know, I've gone to counseling before and just kind of uh, I'm not the person that feels sorry for herself and mopes around. I've tried to make the best out of it, but again, uh, connecting with my heavenly father has given me strength. Uh, I, ne- I never knew I'd have.
0: So, so I want to talk became... about, I want to talk about that, Lily, but I want to make an observation because I, w- when you were talking, when, when you were talking before, I realized, yeah, just like my father who never knew his grand, actually, my father was born before the war here in Israel. And his grandparents were still alive, but they couldn't call each other. They couldn't text each other. Maybe they exchanged photos. I I, I don't know. I never learned any of that. But my grandfather never knew any of his grandparents. And, and they were all, by the time he was 10, they were all, they had all been murdered. Um, but what was so remarkable with me, and I think you just expressed it in your own way, is that the day he became a grandfather, 30, almost 30 and a half years ago, he he had no grandparent model he didn't know what what to do with that but he he became the best <laughs> grandfather um his it changed him more than i would have imagined and that was really beautiful to see and i and i'm glad that you shared what you did with levi and your other grandchildren that to, vicariously that you also had that kind of corrective experience that you're rebuilding the family that was lost
1: right well that's great <laughs> that's awesome
0: Let's, um, it. Since I want to change topic a little bit yeah. and come back to something you said, let's just take another quick break and we'll leave people on a cliffhanger because you spoke about your heavenly father. I want to get there. You had a, 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 a change in uh, course as an Ashkenazi Jew, uh, as a young woman. So let's talk about that. But first, a quick break. As remarkable and miraculous as Israel is and its very existence, a testimony to God's faithfulness. In many ways, Israel is like most other countries. Just as there are parents anywhere who have stronger and weaker parenting abilities, and adults become a product of situations in their lives that they cannot control, making their ability to raise and care for their own children even harder, that's true in Israel as well. The Genesis 123 Foundation is committed and takes the mandate seriously to care for the least of these our brothers, our children. We're committed to bless and strengthen orphans and at-risk youth to invest in them, to empower them so that their future will be brighter than their past or their present. But Israel is unique in that there are always threats of war and terror, which know no bounds. For children who come from homes that are not safe, sometimes the very scary reality of living in a community that's not safe is too much to bear. We are committed to turning orphans and at-risk youth into children of promise. We fund a variety of programs to help those most in need as widely as we can. We invite and encourage you to join us today so that we can ensure their brighter tomorrow. Please visit genesis123.co to find out more and to send your love and most generous donation today. Okay, Lily. I, I I seem to recall from reading that your, I don't know if it was first faith experience or most significant, took place the first time you were in a church in 1971. Am I correct? And can you share about that?
1: Yes, sir. You're correct. Um, <clears throat> so my former husband, excuse me, <clears throat> my former husband, uh, when we got married, I was 22, he was 23. And uh, we moved to Ohio. I moved from New York. And he was from a large family. He had 14 brothers and sisters raised in Kentucky. And we were married maybe seven or eight months when he had a brother that was three years older than he was, got killed in an automobile accident. Okay. And it was a tragic. It was in the middle of the night. And he'd been drinking. And he had four children at home. It was horrific. So, of course, you know, they had a visitation. And they had the funeral at a church. I'd never been in a church in my life.
0: So they, they were not Jewish?
1: No. My okay. ex-husband is not Jewish. No. Okay. Not Jewish. With a name like Isaac, you'd think, but no.
0: Ah, and that's okay. kind of,
1: yeah, and that's when I met him, I thought he was, and he didn't tell me differently for a while. What okay. long? <laughs> 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 but that's okay. Uh, that's not Jewish. But his father was actually a preacher. Okay. And... So, we you know, we made it work and, you know, we got married. We said, okay, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. We're, you know, we're okay. And he was an entertainer as well as I was. We had a lot in common with music and stuff. So when I went into that church for the first time in my life, it was a funeral. And I noticed more than just the grief. I noticed that there were people with community and there was a lot of love and a lot of mm-hmm. embracing. And, you know, and I thought, wow, this is different. It, you know, felt, almost, you know, different. So, and it was fine, you know, but. After the funeral, a lot of his family was from different states, some from Kentucky, some from Indiana. And so my sister-in-law said, why don't we get together tomorrow night at so-and-so's church one more time before everybody parts to go back to their own state and home just to visit. We'll have dinner. Right. And and that's where I had a struggle because it wasn't the funeral. It was a regular church service. Uh, and I really labored with that you know, and I thought, well, I don't know, I don't have to go. But I thought I wouldn't be much of a family member if I didn't show up. And I knew if my parents found out that, you know, they'd be upset. And you know, they'd heard about the funeral, but didn't make a big deal about it. And So anyway, just to my best knowledge, I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go sit in the back, just to show that I'm a family member. And it was like a service. And I guess they memorialized my brother in law and there was a lot of tears and a lot of hugging and and the preacher got up, and you know he just gave a message about salvation, and I'd never heard that before i I didn't know much about Jesus. we didn't talk about Jesus at home,
0: probably know? not, probably not
1: you know only time it was said was in a bad way you know right i mean i didn't know you I'm sure you knew what I'm talking about, <clears throat> so I listened, and it was really foreign to me, and I was very, very uncomfortable. I was in the back seat. <clears throat> I wanted to hide in the back of my brain. I'm thinking, oh boy, if my parents find out about this, you know, they're going to be so upset (laughs) with me and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know what to do. So the preacher got up and, you know, he spoke, it was a nice message, you know, talked about that and it was confusing to me. And so all of a sudden he made an invitation to prayer and he said, whoever needs to pray, for whatever reason come forward to the altars. You know they're opened and oh, I wasn't gonna do that, you know. But I noticed everybody was getting down and there was a lot of grief. And you know, the funeral was fresh. He was a twenty seven year old man, got killed in a car accident. His children were there, everybody's crying and I don't know why, but right there in the very last pew, I got down on my knees. I just got down on my knees. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to ask God to forgive me my sins because I didn't I was a sinner. I didn't know how to say, Lord, save me. I didn't know I was lost. I didn't know. Wow. But when I got down on my knees, I love to say this. The minute my flesh hit the floor, God saw my openness to him. Amazing. And I cried. I couldn't say anything. I didn't know what to say, but I cried. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody saw me, but when I got up, I, I felt, I don't know what I just felt, but it was a release. And then the next couple of weeks they invite everybody to go back to church again. And I heard somebody say that Jesus was Jewish.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You can relate to that differently. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Differently. And I thought, okay, this is getting interesting. So I started looking at the Bible a little bit and I thought I need to learn about this Jesus, this Jewish boy that was preaching and it yeah. kind of sparked my interest. And so little by little, I was sucked into learning more and reading more. And, you know, I don't know that you can honestly say that I, Oh yeah, you know, I just had, a, I don't, I can't pinpoint the time. Okay. When the transition happened, but I do know what caused me to know more is because I had a cousin visit me from New York about a month after that on his way to California. And I was the one that I had to take him to church with me. I said, man, you got to go to this place. You got to see these people. I just want you to go. He said, sure. But that time, you know, everybody was hippies. They didn't care. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> we'll go to the church. And the minute he got home, he told his parents about it. And guess who they called?
0: Your parents. parents. Yeah. And how did that go down? Not well. <laughs> oh, well.
1: <laughs> so this is like two months into this experience. and my mom, I was working in an office at the time. One day, right at the office, my mom called me on the phone and I was sitting at my desk and she and my dad both got on the phone and they said, we found out what you're doing and we want you to know we're not proud of you. And if you don't give up that crazy stuff, you can forget about ever coming home again. We never right. want to talk to you again. You've abandoned us. You're the black sheep of the family. After all we've lost in World War II, we can't believe Whoa. you're doing this. I went on and, on and on and on.
0: And you understood that, right?
1: And I cried. I didn't know what to do. I thought, what have I done, you know? And then I'm battling that I've already felt the touch of God in my life. And, and I'm starting to research about Jesus. And here they are just telling me that I can't come home again, that I'm a black sheep to the Jewish people. What have I done to them? And I didn't know what to say. Sure. You know, so I cried. And, and you know, the, you know I, I said, well, Mom, I don't know. I, I can't give up what I found. I, I finally found a little joy in my heart. And they hung up. And it was weeks. I'd call. They wouldn't talk to me. Mm. And, and, you know, I'd call again. And, and they'd say, well, have you quit that crazy stuff you're going through? And what am I going to say? I couldn't lie to them. Right. I said, no, you know. But what it did do is I when I would go to church, I ran to that altar. I buried my <laughs> knees at that altar. And I cried my way through. And Jesus became my father, he became my mother, he became my everything. I found solace in finding Jesus as my confidant. And that's when I really, really became who I knew I was.
0: Sure. I hear that. Um, it, you, you understood because of your parents, and it's interesting how you said that in church, when your brother-in-law died was the first time that you sense community which is ironic because you lived i gather in a very jewish neighborhood of the bronx which was a, a transplanted community from from europe and uh, but but different and and I, probably for a much longer conversation um as to how and why that wasn't the case but i want I, I i mentioned to somebody that i was hosting you somebody who didn't know you your music or your background and testimony and I got a very uncomfortable pushback. Why would you talk to somebody who was Jewish and, and converted to Christianity? And I said, because I think first of all I do that. I think it's important, and people need to understand. But it's important, especially where you came from. Um, and I'm really glad to share this. Uh, I'll I'll get pushback as soon as this goes live. Huh? Uh, oh yeah, of course I will. Um, well,
1: I have. Let me just say this. I never gave up my Jewish heritage. I get that. Even though believing that Yeshua is Messiah, we celebrate every Jewish holiday. We're proud that our DNA is Jewish, my children, Mm -hmm. my grandchildren. And it doesn't change the fact that I am Jewish because I believe in Yeshua as Messiah. And people understand that.
0: Well, some people who listen, who are listening do, and some people who are listening specific, specifically, Jewish listeners don't and won't and will will get their back up at what you just said but I want I feel like if we're having if my mission on behalf of the Genesis 123 Foundation is to build bridges between Jews and Christians that are meaningful substantial not scratching the surface we need to have these conversations and it's uncomfortable for Jews the person who I won't say who but the person who didn't like even me having a conversation with you. And I know it. I'm going to get emails. Maybe Jewish listeners are going to not follow this podcast anymore. I don't know. But I I want to have these conversations because we need to understand one another. And you're, in a sense, a bridge between the two. Um, but you, you you get it. Um, I'm glad you said about your heritage, because I'd like to now move to uh, beginning to wrap up. Um, I, I would love to have I look forward to having more conversations and doing this in person uh, at some point as well. Um, yeah. I, I want to skip over the career and focus on what I saw in May. Okay. Um, beautiful music, incredible family, hundreds of people in the ballroom following, and you did, you collectively, did something so gracious. You not only raised, what was 150,000 dollars.
1: One hundred twenty
0: thousand uh, this 100, time. Um, that you dispersed to a number of different organizations that that are helping bless Holocaust survivors. That's intuitive, right? That's it was obvious that that's something yeah. that's meaningful to you and orphans, uh, orphans specifically. When I speak about it, I speak about orphans and at-risk youth and lone soldiers. And by the way, these are things that we do that we fund. Through the Genesis 123 Foundation and probably commercials that are being inserted after this conversation about those very projects that we fund and do that. And I saw that deep connection to your heritage and deep connection to your people. And the fact that you had, I wrote it down here, I I tried to count that night. I think you had six tables of Holocaust survivors as your guests and another four tables of soldiers, of young, beautiful soldiers and not by the way that the older survivors weren't any less beautiful they (laughs) were um why'd you do that
1: well in 2000 we've gone to israel i personally have gone about 27 times (laughs) in the last 40 years excuse me um and we always go to the land of israel and we take away with us the blessings of you know the Old Testament, the New Testament, and just what a wonderful country it is. And I love Israel. Yeah. In 2018, on one of our journeys, and we've always taken people with us because we wanted to share the blessing of Israel with so many people that we know. Especially because we tour and travel to so many different states and countries, we have an outreach uh, of a lot of people that want to do that, and they don't know who to go with. So we tell them go with us. But in 2018, when we went. It was the 70th anniversary of Israel being a Jewish nation, right? right? So we didn't want to go empty handed. So Uh, we talked about it as a family and we prayed about it. And my daughter, Becky, had the idea. She said, well, how about since we're direct descendants of Holocaust survivors, we try to raise money and team up with somebody in Israel and bless some Holocaust survivors. And she said, while she was praying about that, the Lord spoke to her and said, Bless the beginning and the end.
0: Whoa. Okay. And so the she end.
1: felt, yeah. So she felt like, okay, so the end has to be the Holocaust survivors and the beginning has to be the orphans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then my daughter Sonia said, Well, what about blessing in between? That would have to be the lone soldiers. Yeah. So we started that in 2018. And when we went in 2018, of course, we had the idea in 2017. At that time, we took almost $100,000 with us. We teamed up with the Joseph Project. We teamed up with Helping Hands Coalition. And we had a concert at the Pavilion in Jerusalem and also invited some Holocaust survivors. And we had uh, Neve Mekel, which is a good friend of mine. So we started Blessing the Orphanage. But even between 2018 and this past year, we send money periodically to all of those organizations. In our travels, we have envelopes and we started a nonprofit legally through, you know, an accountant and everything is called for. It's tax deductible. And we've sent hundreds of thousands of dollars for these different ones. But going back, yeah, going back this year again after not being able to go because of COVID, and it being the 75th anniversary, we wanted to make it special again. Sure. So that's why we had the party. And we bussed in the Holocaust survivors and wanted to hear their stories, which was emotional. That was beautiful. Oh wow.
0: Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And we'd already visited Mede Mikkel a few days before and met with the children. And and what touched me, Jonathan, so sweet, was when we started singing Chava Nagila and Shalom Aleichem with all the people, we saw these young 18, 19-year-old soldiers get up and take the hand of a Holocaust survivor yeah. and dance. Yeah. They danced for 15, 20 minutes. It was beautiful. It made me want to cry. It was so sweet.
0: It was, and, it was one of, it, there, were, there were multiple highs on that. I, I don't overdo my praise of things. If I don't <laughs> like it, you'll know about it that was stunning. And I was along many people all over the room were yeah. elated, were crying, were taking pictures. I, I don't know what picture I'll use as a thumbnail for this, but that so embodied it. You had beautiful young men and women in their, in their, uh, in their green military uniforms. Some of them carrying their weapons on them, yeah, dancing with people who, if they had only had young people to defend them,
1: that's 80 right. and
0: 85 years ago, they wouldn't have right. lost all their other relatives. That yeah, was it was
1: a beautiful story. Yeah, it was really beautiful. And we enjoy doing that. And, you know, I know you're doing nonprofit work as well. And, you know, and during COVID, we embraced, we go to a, a church uh, called Regeneration Nashville, and they have a, a, an organization called the Bridge Ministries in America. Okay. And they feed 3,000 students a week wow. with lunches. Wow that are too poor to have lunch. And so we fund them. We send a monthly donation to them out of our nonprofit as well that's to right. help people in America have a life too. And it feels good, you know, it just feels good to be a blessing that way. That's that's our hearts today, you it's, know, so. It's also
0: a Jewish tradition. We have an a Jewish tradition. tradition and you do. That's right. There was one beautiful thing that I just captured. Uh, I don't know if I took a picture of it. I didn't realize it at the time. And then I realized it. At one point early on, before the meal was served, before the the, the survivors were coming in and sitting down, and your daughter, Sonia, yeah. walked around the table of the Holocaust survivors and was literally serving them, making sure they all had drinks, making sure. It was so touching. It was so beautiful. And you know what? There was one other thing that I want to come back to because I think for me it was the highlight, but I'm going to take a last break before we round up. Before we wind up, and then I'm going to come back because that was so magnificent. Something that happened, I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter. If we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Uh, we could go on. I, I don't know if there's a video of that whole night, but that was so special. Um, you mentioned when, when people were singing Shalom Aleichem, and the, 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 and the dancing was all spontaneous. But yes. there was something also beautiful that you alluded to. Survivors came up and shared their stories. And there was one man who was invited up. Apparently, he was a singer. And yes. Nisha, remember? And Nisha yes. started singing a Yiddish song, Yiddish yeah. mama," which then yes. you and he did a duet. <laughs> It was amazing <laughs> to see this woman from Nashville <laughs> singing Yiddish in Jerusalem. What, what? That wasn't scripted, was it?
1: No. My mother used to sing that song all the time. And I loved that. In fact, I sang that at her funeral at the wow. gravesite. And it was just, when he started singing, I couldn't not. And it was so <laughs> sweet. I mean, I love it. And we do have all that on film. I don't know when you know we're we're gonna try and put something together. <clears throat> Excuse me, we had that allergies in Nashville of pollen.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Uh, but uh, yeah, we have some stuff, and I'll share with you once we get it all put together because I know I'd love for you to share that with your followers as well. But uh, it was just a beautiful night, and we had a great trip, and it was a pleasure having you there with us. And I'm so proud of you doing your podcast and. Keeping the memory of all the history that we as Ashkenazi Jews have lived through yeah. and, you know, still honor the people that, you know, and I have to tell you one other thing, which I didn't share this, but I just have to say this because living in America, and I know you are here part of the time, and part of the time yes. in Israel, and, but uh, I like to say this in our programs because we're big, we're very patriotic, my family, and I know, you know, our country is in a mess sometime, but, you know, I'm grateful that I'm an American. But my mother would always tell me in her Polish thick accent when she was young, she'd say, When those American soldiers busted through those gates, she said they looked like angels from heaven. And yes. so we say that in our shows and we honor our veterans. But at her funeral, this this stands out in my mind. She's buried in California. She lived to be 95. I lost her in 2014. And we were at her gravesite, and it's a Jewish tradition that When the casket is lowered down in the ground, but the family shovels the first part of dirt on top of the casket, right? So my brother and I did, and my children and his children, we were doing that. But I happened to glance around that beautiful cemetery, and right behind her, and on the left and on the right, in Nevada, California, were three World War II veterans buried all around Mother's Gravesite.
0: That's so meaningful. Wow. You just made my heart go racing. Thank you for sharing that.
1: (laughs) And I thought, wow. You know, all of our people that serve in different countries and that came into World War II and helped release our people that were imprisoned, you know, I thought, to me, that just spoke, oh, my goodness. I mean, I wept for an hour. I thought, wow.
0: That's very powerful. Wow. Thank you. What does the song Yiddish Mama mean? I mean, Yiddish, Yiddish Mother. But what what right. are the... My what Yiddish is...
1: Mama, right. Do kind Bessas, there's no better one in the world. My Yiddish Mama. Oh, how sad it will be when she dies. And yeah. uh, through water and fire, she will walk through her children. with For her children. It's just honoring mama.
0: And... You hear it? Would you give us a, a taste?
1: <laughs> what if I can do it? <clears throat> I he not you, you on the spot them. I a not bit wasn't
0: planning on doing a but, but here <laughs> no. we i I'm a very impulsive guy.
1: Okay. I'll sing just a little bit <clears throat> Okay. a little bit of
0: a little Beautiful it's a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. And, and it just underscored also what a gorgeous voice you have. And mm-hmm. how interesting, by the way, that that it's also something genetic. That I don't know if all of your family sings, but amazing to have that privilege that you're able to do this together.
1: Well, thank you. I know. I, I appreciate it. and I, I never dreamed my life would be what it is. So I'm so grateful for God's blessings
0: in my life. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you joining me today and me having the privilege of joining you in Jerusalem that spectacular night in May. And I look forward to staying in touch and connecting further. And and I don't know where that'll go, but what a blessing. I'm so glad to well to welcome you and have, having shared a little bit of your story and your heart on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So, so every, every episode we wind up just with an encouragement and this episode really is so, so exhibits that um, we want people to share this. This is an amazing conversation and, and we try to do that all the time. We, what we ask everyone to do is go to our social media, Inspiration from Zion, and share and like this episode and share it with other people and comment. And we try to offer an incentive to do so, little incentive um that when you do that we pick one person at random each month to receive a book we call it from jonathan's bookshelf so i want to encourage everyone this month i haven't decided yet honestly which book it's going to be i've got a lot of books at home that i like to share but i want to encourage everyone to please do that i also always 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 want to thank our sponsors for the last two years since we started this podcast first the willow run greenhouse in Culpeper, virginia and i always tell people if you're ever in the area pop in and thank them for helping make conversations like this possible, and also our good friends, the Coin family, as well for their meaningful sponsorship. Uh, Inspiration from Zion and all of the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations, so please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges. And, and I wasn't planning on it. Honestly, Lily, nobody said, hey, I'd like to sponsor this episode, but you do such a beautiful job that in honor of you and your family... And your work, the Hebrew is chesed, the the righteousness, the caring that you do here in Israel, specifically with Holocaust survivors, specifically with soldiers, and specifically with orphans. I want to dedicate this episode in honor of all of you and everything you're doing. And if you'd like to sponsor, yeah, and if you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to always hear your comments as part of a dialogue. And even if you're pissed off at me for having a conversation with Lily, which you shouldn't be, um, please send any questions and comments um, that you have to me as well. And finally, as I said at the outset, please share this conversation with others who will also find it of interest. And please continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy. And I send my blessings. Well, I usually say from the Judean mountains. I am not in the Judean mountains. I am in the plains of central Israel. And my blessings come from here all the same. Thank you and God bless you.
1: If I could say, Jonathan, if people want to know more about the Isaacs. Oh, please. Thank you. Theisaacs.com. I-S-A-A-C-S. And they can follow us on Facebook or just look us up. I know a lot of people might be interested. TheIsaacs.com.
0: Thank you so much. It shows how engaged I was that I neglected to ask you to No, share it's fine. Church, but thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Lily. God bless you.
1: Alleluia.